Hey everyone, and welcome to 121 in Flux. I'm Peter, that is Connor, and we talk about movies. And there's a new Alien movie coming out in a few months' time, so we thought we would start working our way through the franchise as it already stands. So today we're going to talk about Alien. Which, yeah, back to the beginning. Yeah, which I watched for the hundredth time today, something like Alternatively, that. Alternatively, I watched it for the third time. Third? Wait, you've never seen past Aliens, but you've seen the first one twi- uh, well, twice. Well, I saw Right, so what happened is I saw the first one maybe three or four years ago, right? And then I was gonna, wa- and then I was gonna watch Aliens like a little bit later, but it turned out a few months later uh, they were going to show both of them a uh, uh, double bill at, at my local cinema on Halloween. So I thought, Joe, you know what? I'm gonna hold off and I'm gonna go to that instead, which is why I then saw it twice. Okay. But you've not seen Alien 3, you've not seen Resurrection. I assume you've never seen Prometheus. I did not bother. Right, so those will be new experiences for you when we get to them. But obviously today we're going to talk about Alien. And we're just going to go full spoilers. I don't see the point in doing a spoiler-free talk of Alien to begin with. Who, who at this point is going, oh, I wonder, I wonder if that Alien's worth seeing. But I don't want spoilers. I don't, I don't want to know what the movie's about. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, obviously, it's almost intimidating talking about a movie like this, because it's, you know, it's not a new new opinion, it's not like we just went and seen it for the first time, it's not, oh, is it any good? Of course it's good, it's Alien. Everyone yeah, I feel like good. the same how, when we just spoke about the first Godzilla movie, it's like, it's a big task because everyone spoke about it for years, that what, what can we add now? Yeah, decades and decades, it's, so... I think I, I think I'm just going to rather than go through the plot bit by bit like I normally do. I feel like I mean, we didn't do this with Godzilla either, actually. But with a lot of our modern reviews, we do typically take the plot and we deconstruct it and we go right, okay, through it in order, and how did we feel at each point and so on. That's really hard to do with Alien because I've seen it so many times that it. I, I don't. Yeah. When I watch it now, I don't have particular feelings at given points in the sense of I'm not thinking of what's coming up because I know what's coming up. I'm just engrossed in how it's happening and what's going on so I, th- I think it'd be better to just tackle different elements of the film rather than go through the plot in order yeah yeah that works yeah I think the first thing I want, I want to say about Alien and this is apparent watching it again is just how from the get go like immediately it feels like a classy big budget movie yeah I definitely agree with that it has you know the big wide shots of you know the externals yeah, it goes into the the ship. Obviously, the, the movie starts with all these just setting the scene. Here's like the empty hallways. Here's the empty you yeah. know, cockpit and whatever until it gets to the computer when it turns on and like that's them getting the signal and then it slowly makes its way over to the the sleeping pods and I believe slowly is the key word here. Everything, yeah, everything here is slow. It's nice. It's very methodically paced. It's not. It is boom, 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 which is obviously something a lot of new movies uh, are scared to do, but. This this does it in such a intentional. Yeah, sort of it, it is amusing. So the first time I watched this, I watched this with a, a group of people who I was living with at the time. One of them, who was a bit of a, a cock, walked out twenty minutes in, saying he was bored. Yeah. Oh dear, that's a that's a shame. Yeah. A shame. Uh, filthy millennials, uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, all this all this builds up, and it's all it's set in the scene before the, the characters wake up. Uh, and I think there's several times as well throughout. I think in the the final sort of chase scene of the film, well, yeah, the final chase scene because it's not it's before she gets on the shuttle, and it's been Ripley's running around with the the flamethrower, and she's yeah. she has a cat at one point, and then she doesn't have a cat, and then she has a cat again. There's like one there's a giant long shot of her running with the cat, and it's like tracking back as she's walking coming towards the camera down a hall. Round the corner, down another hall, round the corner, down another... It's like it's almost like a hexagon-shaped kind of hallway, so it keeps going yeah. around corners. But all I could think watching it, especially like this time, sort of looking at it, thinking, oh, what more interesting things can I have to say about Alien? It's just how apparent how much of this damn ship they built. Oh, yeah, there's so much of it that... I, I think there's even bits that we don't see that they've just built. To an extent, I mean, there's some hallway shots we can tell, right, they've done the trick with the mirror to make it look double the length yeah. is what it actually is, or infinite even. And yeah, that's fine, obviously they're going to do that. But it's just, there were certain shots where I'm like, man, they really built a long, a long section of the ship. They had to just to do that, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, they made the choice to say, no, Rid- Ridley's like, Ridley Scott, of course, who directed it, he's like, no, I want this shot. Build yeah. build me all these hallways so I can I can go up and down them to my heart's content. I think, just uh, before we go on, it's worth mentioning we're talking about the theatrical cut and not the director's cut here. Uh, it, it's vaguely it's worth mostly mentioning. The, it's, I mean, it's mostly the same, but... There's one real scene of difference. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I prefer the theatrical cut. I, I watched the director's cut once. I've never went back to it. Mainly because... There's a couple of small little trims and things here or there that affect the pacing, which I think affected it in a negative way. And then the one big scene that is added is something that goes against the continuity with what Aliens brings in in the next one. So it just kinda... yeah, I actually watched the director's cut first, oh, and then well, no, I didn't put it on at the time. Someone else put the film on, okay, and okay. that's what they put on, and I just kind of went with it. But I don't like it. <laughs> Did you not <laughs> like it? Did you not like it at the time, or did you just, when you watched the proper version, no, you went... Even at the time, I thought that that big scene where it's placed at the end kind of just completely throws off the entire pacing of that last 20 minutes. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's right in, by in the middle of Ripley running around from the alien and trying to get the self-destruct thing to go off and then to try to stop it. And it and just feel takes this detour, and it's like, yeah, I don't like this. Yeah, it, it ruins the pacing. You almost feel like they put that in the director's cut just to justify a director's cut, because without it, it would have felt like, it's just little things here or there. There's almost no changes that are huge. Yeah, it's like the scene on itself... Is is fine. I don't have any major problems with it, other than obviously, like you say, contradicting future films. But I just the placement of it is just completely Which weird. Is probably why you get cut in the first place, and it probably is. And there's a reason that it, it maybe should have remained cut. It's funny actually because Ridley Scott, it's called a director's cut, and it obviously did that for the the re-release and you know uh, just before the the DVD box set came out, the the quadrilogy in two thousand three. Yeah. And it's funny that. It wasn't too long after, maybe two years, they did a new DVD of Gladiator and they had the extended cut of Gladiator. And I, his introduction to that, because there's like a, you know, bonus features and stuff, there's mm. an introduction from him just a couple of minutes before the film starts uh, explaining the extended edition. And it's kind of infamous almost amongst movie buffs, this introduction, because he basically says, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, I can't remember the word for word, but it was basically... Oh no, the one you already saw was the director's cut. This has just got some extra bits and stuff you might want to see. I don't particularly care for it. <laughs> and I almost wonder if he felt that way about the Alien director's cut. So this time, when he got asked to do this, he was like, all right, we'll do it, fine. It's There's an option on the disc, but uh, we're not calling it I'm not it calling that. it a director's yeah. cut, yeah. I that, won- that's the thing. It feels like he was pressured into this one Yeah, and then regretted it. I, w- I wonder if that's why that was very specific in that next one where he's like, no, no, this is not a director's cut. I already did that. Because obviously it's not like he's not notorious for having new cuts that he does prefer because Blade Runner has like 15 cuts. Too many, basically. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Um, I, I'm being a bit facetious. There's five on the on the Blu-ray, but... Uh, still too many. Uh, still a lot. Uh, to be fair, though, the theatrical cut was definitely one he didn't want. Well, yeah, okay. That one is an example where a director's cut makes sense. Yeah, and it, it, it legitimately makes the film better. Sure. I've I've only seen that one. I've not seen the, the theatrical of that, so I can't. Have compare. you seen the final cut or the director's cut? Oh, I think it was final. That's fine. There's oh, not man. a huge amount of differences between them. It just final cut. I mean, I can't remember some of the smaller things, but it just it fixes a couple of mistakes almost. I'll be honest. I'm not entirely sure. I remember when I was going to watch it, I was like, right, which one is it that I need to I need to watch? Because mm. there was so many versions, I had to actually check. And I think it, I think it was final cut. I was recommended. It probably yeah, it probably was. Uh, it just it fixes. There was an obvious bit where you could see a stunt double's face. There was a bit where yeah. the, the lighting was wrong, and he just it, there's a couple of tweaks mostly in the final cut. Uh, of course, a hardcore Blade Runner fan's going to like say, "No, no, there's this big list of things," and I'm like, "Yeah, sure," but from memory, that's the the main thing yeah. I remember being different. But yeah, that's uh, back to Alien. Back to Alien. Where was I? Yeah. So yeah, theatrical cut. That was, that was where we started with that. We watched it was. The there, cut, there, really. was there was a, a reason for that t- tangent. Yeah. We went to that tangent for a reason. Uh, so yeah, uh, so uh, like I say, at the end when she's running around, and you really get that sense that they built a lot of this ship. There's all these hallways and stuff, and it makes use of all its locations. And I, I have watched the the making of a couple of times, and by the making of, I mean the three hour like cut into segments thing that was on the quadrilogy, and it's again on the 
on the no, Blu-ray I've got set. it there waiting for me. I haven't touched it yet, but... Oh, it's fantastic. It's maybe, so maybe, maybe after we do this, I'll go away and watch the first part. Maybe I'll watch it each part after we do each of these movies. Oh, it's so in-depth. Because you get like a whole section at the start, which is just about the, the genesis of the idea and the writing mm-hmm. of the script. And it's just... It's mostly interviews with the writers and like the first producer and like molding the story and how it was rewritten and how the first draft like all the characters had these stupid space names and how the dialogue was terrible and other writers came in and like gutted it all and said no 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 the chest buster fantastic the rest of it were changing and it eventually became obviously what it is a word that actually i feel is appropriate because it is even in its final form is still relatively minimal oh i think i think it has to be minimal i think Minimal is why this film succeeds because it it feels super complex in the details. So much thought has been into this. Simple things like when they all wake up, they seem to all know each other. That's that's another thing I want to praise about the film. Actually, is the acting. I feel like they didn't just because obviously so many films are essentially monster movies where everyone's just fodder for the monster to kill. And you could argue that the characters in this are to an extent still that they didn't cast below that, you know, down to that calibre, they still cast proper... I mean, you get John Hurt and Tom Skerritt and Sigourney Weaver, and sure, Sigourney Weaver was a newcomer at the time, but you get Ian Holm, you got all these... Yeah, yeah, you got all these established... Howard Dean Stanton, obviously a big actor, all these people who aren't just no-names, you know, here... No, no, they're they're real actors, not to put others down, but they have a a calibre to them. Basically, what the movie is, it's a monster movie where they hired Ridley Scott and he said, Right, I'm treating this like it's a, an A. To, to use a, a gaming term, a triple A movie. Yeah, it's, it is that. And it's very much, as well as that, it's, it's kind of a, a haunted house movie as well in space. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's uh, something's in the dark, creeping around, killing us one by one, 10 little Indians, yeah. whatever, you want to, whatever yeah. uh, story you want to compare it to. But that's what it is. It's a B movie plot. It's characters go down to a signal from a planet they bring back uh you know a something a something it lays an egg inside a person or a creature inside a person it catches and killing ensues and it hunts yeah yeah that's the movie it's it's really simple it's a b-movie plot but it's the it's the attention to detail it's the acting it's the the beautiful cinematography yeah, like I said, that the set design. Not only did they build so much of it, every bit of it is so ridiculously detailed. Oh, it's beautiful. There is absolutely no laziness in the design. Oh, absolutely not. It's, I mean, they had obviously H.R. Giger design the the alien and everything that was related to the alien, which means the the ship that they they investigate, the yeah. the big space jockey, all that stuff, all very phallic. They're, they're walking through giant vaginas. The space jockey things, the big penis, and even the alien yeah. designs get a lot of penis sort of imagery. You know, and the, yeah. and the, the, the second mouth that comes out is very penis shaped, yeah. and even in the head to a lesser extent, kind of phallic. You can, yeah, you could argue it. Yeah. So look. Obviously, there's a lot of that imagery. Even as something as simple as the top of the egg opening, like it's yeah. it's very much like the lips of a vagina opening kind of thing. It is different. Obviously, it's arranged differently, but it looks kind of like that. You can see the inspiration yeah, it's, there. It's for an egg, it doesn't crack out. It opens, which is yes. the key difference there. Yes, yes. It's like it's waiting for a victim to be near before it. Yeah, yeah it pops open and lets something uh, jump out. Uh, and all, all that stuff's great. The, the mystery, and it's one of the things I love, is that we don't get a scene that they, with them at a space station at the start where they set up all the characters and, you know... Uh, straight into it. There's no... Oh, these two characters having a romance. None of that. No need for it. Well, none of that would ruin the movie if, like, Lambert and... I don't know, pick your male were right. in a relationship. But, but it'd be but. rather unprofessional of them. On <laughs> such, a, on such a, a business trip. It, it would be... Um, but it, it, it wouldn't ruin the movie, but that's not there. We don't get this set up on a station. It's just they wake up in space, they wake up with the sound of the signal, and everything we learn, everything we need to know is presented to us throughout the course of the actions and what happens. Yeah, it's all contextually taught. Yeah. Because everything about every character is just, it comes about through the events that are occurring. No one stops and asks. No one stops and just tells things for the sake of it. We learn it for a reason at every point. And they put a lot of thought into the characters. Maybe not so much in terms of. I don't think any of them are super deep characters in the in the sense that we guess you know what the backstory is, what the driving force is. I don't think they're like that. But I think there's a lot of thoughts went into the characters where they do feel like real people. They feel like they've all interacted with each other before for the most part, except yeah. uh, Ash, who 
seems to and they mentioned that at one point he was uh, new to the, the ship just before this mission they all seem like they kind of know each other they've got a kind of banner and there's a lot of little ticks in the dialogue that I really appreciate especially when you're sort of looking for them uh, like obviously Dallas who's presented as possibly the protagonist the main character for a lo- yeah. large part of the film before at it's least to really. like half yeah until he's killed basically yeah, which is about halfway I think give or take it's actually further than half uh, this is one thing that you always it's one of these things where your memory construes it differently because you f- think of the them going down to the planet and getting the egg as the first like act yeah they don't actually leave the planet to go back to the main ship until the 55 minute mark of the two hour movie right so that, that just shows you how much in your mind you you condense that first chunk down because you feel like that's the start of the story and then the hunting each of the characters down is the long part but it's actually not that it's not but that, obviously that is what you're you're kind of here for that is the yeah. story but it just doesn't waste its time with it it, it doesn't pad that part of it out no no but it, what it does give a lot of time to is the mystery of going into the unknown what is this thing in the dark and what what is this signal coming from? What what is this big space jockey? What are the eggs? Your mind's racing the entire time, and yeah, uh, all all of it's very fascinating. There's a lot of uh, just just intrigue about mm. like okay, it seems like an alien spaceship, but where did it come from? What was its purpose? And obviously, when we get to Prometheus, a lot of that's uh, explained to an extent, not completely, mm. but to an extent. I always hear people say it's not very satisfying, and uh, that's why I'm very worried about watching it. Well, it's funny you say that, because I actually think the core explanation is very satisfying. And the funny thing is, is that after I watched Prometheus, I went back and... Because the Quadrilogy DVD had the new commentary track, which was like... uh, It was like cut up, they got Ridley Scott, and they got a bunch of actors, and they got a few other people and writers and stuff, and they edited together a new commentary track from all these different contributors. It's a good track, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of stuff in it. But the original DVD from 1999 had a Ridley Scott solo track where he just, you know, traditional him talking throughout the entire movie. They added that back in for the Blu-ray, so I never heard it. So when I got the Blu-ray set, and I think it was just after I'd seen Prometheus, I listened to that 1999 commentary track. And as as the characters are, like, creeping into the, the ship and they're discovering this stuff, he actually says what he believes the the backstory to be where they came from and it is what's in prometheus so that's faithful at least then yeah so so and that was recorded in 1999 so like i said that's 15 yeah. years 12 years what when did prometheus come out i can't remember 2013 maybe 2012 yeah something, something yeah, about that uh but either way it was, it was over a decade in advance of when they made that movie where that idea was still there and i think the core idea is pretty good actually uh do you have any inkling of what that? I might don't. Be? I, I think I've heard like, I think I've heard little bits, but then I've kind of just forgotten them. It'll be the sort of thing where when I watch it, I'll remember it because I've heard it in the past and it'll trigger. We'll talk more about that when we actually get to Prometheus because obviously you'll know what we're on about in there. And I'm sure it's a big part of that film. To an extent, it's it's kind of weird. Cause it's kind of the same thing as this one in a sense where. Because it's characters who don't know anything about this movie because it's set before it, it's not like there's explanations. It's just contextually you pick up yeah. things. Yeah, that and makes sense. I don't think the problems of Prometheus are anything to do with the explanation for the aliens. There's a lot of The problems with Prometheus are all different. Oh, we'll get to that then. Okay, we'll get to that. Where was I? I, I, I went off track here. <laughs> uh, um, talk about mystery, talking about... I was talking about the characters and how they felt real and how yes. there was little dialogue ticks that I, I really liked. Uh, it's after the first breakup and they all have they all have dinner and you can tell they know each other the way they, they, they chat and uh, what do you call them uh, Brett and Parker are like trying to bring up oh we should get more of the bonus and like oh let's talk about this bonus situation and it's are, like not again yeah it, it feels that way but then then Dallas goes off to talk to mother and yeah. to see what's going on and it's right at the same time it's intercutting with Lambert and Ripley on the they, they, they've like, alright well he's in there we'll go into the, the cockpit and we'll try and do some readings and like well, this isn't right we're not nearly because presumably they were expecting to wake up near earth the whole idea is they'd be in the system by this point and yeah. they're like oh wait we're not here what's going on and it's the same time as Dallas is finding out why mm. and Dallas comes out and they're all they all sort of congregate in the in the dining area and Dallas just sort of leans forward and says well you can probably tell we're not at home uh Mother's instructed to wake us up uh, should certain conditions arise, and uh, they have. And you may think, well, what, what am I bringing up here? What's the point I'm making with this, this line of dialogue? It's because he's the leader of the team, right? 
And I feel like in most space movies, in most movies where you've got a captain of a ship, he he would deliver this line completely different. But he almost mumbles it. The way he's like, oh, they would... She's designed to wake us up if certain conditions arise. And he says, and, and they have. And he, he it's sort of scratch- resignation yeah. that it's happened. And he scratches his face almost as he says it. And it, it's just... It's this... This just kind of annoyance. It's like... And if they have, so we need to go down and... It's like, yeah, well, we better do it. We're here. But... Yeah. We know we all want to be home. But it's, it's, it's just an example of a subtle little thing where all the characters feel... Like, even though we don't go into the backstories, we, don't, we, we learn almost nothing about any of them. Except yeah. maybe Ash, because he obviously has a twist to him. Yeah. But everyone else, we don't know anything about them, but we get a sense of their characters just from the their small interactions and how they talk to each other. And it's one of those subtle things that I think a lot of monster movies or slasher movies might be even be a better... Uh, comparison. I feel like sla- this is like a. Cause this was just before the slasher boom, really, and it feels like a precursor to it. Technically, it wasn't before, but it would. Have been, right, it was right at the start. It was. It would. No, it would, it would have been shooting when Halloween came out, probably. So it's right at the. Yeah. The the. I'm just. It's not before. I just want. Yeah, yeah. Just right at the start of the, the yeah. kind of that period, though, and it kind of fits in with them. Like you could quite easily make this like a double feature with with a slasher movie and it would feel very similar yeah it would feel relatively i mean you even have like the the, the final girl like like that's kind of that core trope is there what, what it is it, you're right there is a final girl but at the same time it's like because it starts off as a space movie and we've got dallas who's the captain and he's given the orders and he's the kind of the reluctant guy who's like like we're not we don't i don't want to go down and check this signal out either but it's the rules yeah. we need to do it so everyone gear up and everyone's annoyed about it and need i just i, I don't know I, I feel like it it subverts that all, even though it's before all these things happened it almost subverts all the expectations watching it now it does but it, it plays with the trope like it's aware of it but subverts it yeah but it's... then still plays into it as well it's yeah. interesting yeah it's weird in hindsight watching it is Clearly, there was a lot of similar thought processes going on at the time and yeah. uh, ideas like coming about. Uh, Ash is an interesting one, actually. There's a lot of good... Obviously, the, the big twist with Ash is that he's an android who... The company's actually given him a secret directive. Will and Jutani have given him a secret directive to preserve the specimen. They know there's something there. They want him to make sure it comes back to Earth and the crew's expendable. That's the, the line of dial in the computer. Yeah. And... Well, like, especially on, on a repeat viewing, obviously it's been a long time since I've seen it for the first time, but he, there's a lot of nice little hints throughout the movie that you notice when you know that that twist is coming. Mm. That he, And he almost seems like the good, the better person because Ripley's arguing with him about letting them inside with the, the face on yeah, his face. Yeah. About the quarantine. So like, no, that's by the book. We can't let them in. We might all die. And she's yeah, right. Like, you're, the, you're the science <laughs> officer. Like, this is your job. Yeah, and he lets them in, and we, and you can read it at the time as a as a act slicer. of compassion. Yeah, a act of humanity. He's like, no, no, we're letting them in because we need to help them. That's how you can read it at the time, and even before that, when their signals go out and they're out searching, and Ripley says, "Right, I'm going out after them," and Ash is like, "What's the point?" And he sort of composes himself a little bit. He's like, "I mean, by the time you get to them, we'll know if it was a a warning there's, or not." There's things I really like about him in that particular scene there, while while they're out searching, where, when he loses the signal. He's annoyed, and he he goes, "Oh shit!" And it looks like he's annoyed that that, that he's lost his his friends and his crew, but it's it's not that at all on on a repeat viewing. Yeah, and it, it works really well. That's, that's why it's it's a twist that yeah, even as it doesn't feel like a huge twist in the sense that there's lots of other movies where you think of as oh that is a movie with a twist. I don't really think of Alien as a movie with a twist, but it is a twist. It is, and it's a twist that works really well because it works in both ways. The first time you watch it. Everything works in a context, but then when you watch it again, everything fits in with what the twist is, and you're like, oh, that was really clever. Yeah. Everything works. It does. Everything works. And he's proper terrifying once the twist happens as well, and he goes after even, Ripley. Even with his, after that, with his, his paper mache neck, when he's just sat uh, as a head. Are you saying that uh, with critique, that it looked bad? I, I just it's it's the one bit that really sticks out in all the design as, like, I know there's nothing they could have done. It looks good for what it is, but it's like this this gorgeous spaceship and then this paper mache neck kind of just folded out and uh, amuses me. I don't have a problem with the neck. There's only there's only one point in the movie where a, a special effect, a visual effect, 
rings cheesy to me. Go on. It's when the Nostromo blows up and the space explosion we see is very cartoony, very of the time, something you'd have seen in maybe the first Star Wars or something, which works to an extent in Star Wars because it's more fantasy and... Yeah, it gets away with it a bit more, doesn't it? But whereas Alien feels more realistic to an extent, because the whole trip, you know, they go in the shuttle down to the planet, the, that whole thing, it's like it's bumpy, there's turbulence and, you know, things are breaking and it's... By the way, the subway from the, the 5.1 track was going nuts through all of that. <laughs> I, was, I bet it was. I was loving it. There was just this constant rumble. It was beautiful. Yeah. But you know the whole the whole thing is like it just it, maybe maybe realistic is not the right word because I'm sure people can pick it apart. But grounded, grounded, yeah. You feel like they're not making it easy. They're going down's difficult. You know, there's dangers afoot, yeah, and so on. But yeah, that, that's the, the explosion of the, the Strom was the one thing. I went, oh, that felt like a goofy old effect. Whereas everything yeah. else, I think, holds up pretty well. I, I agree, Liza. It's just that the paper mache neck also sticks out a little bit to right. me. But you know, small thing. I think it works for me because the whole milk for blood, it's not actually milk, but it looks like milk, yeah. uh, is such a unique look that they, they decided on that I just think mm-hmm. it, it, it pulls it all together because it's such a unique looking thing. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. yeah. And then when he's when he, when he uh, Parker burns him with a flamethrower and you see the skin melting off the head, mm. that looks good. really good. It does. So, nah, nah, I'm, I'm down with the, mm. the Android thing. Uh but yeah, again, speaking of bringing things back to phallic nature, uh, even the way he tries to kill Ripley, he, he rolls up a magazine and tries to put it in her mouth. It's very yeah. sexual, actually. And yeah. even even in that whole violent bit, it feels like he is getting kind of like, do androids dream of electric women? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it, yeah, because you got you you have to feel like there would have been an easier way for him to do it. Yeah, it feels like he. Because he kind of had her beat. She was kind of knocked out. Well, not completely knocked out, but she was down. She was lying there long enough for him to like roll up the magazine and he was going to... Yeah, he could have quite easily just hands on the throat. Yeah. Uh, now, she may still have been safe because obviously Lambert and Parker run in uh, yeah. just at this moment. But it, if, it feels like that was a very specific choice. And even the way the alien kills people by like putting his phallic-shaped mouth through their heads is very mm. aggressively sexual in a way it is there's a lot and obviously you have the, the themes of of birthing as well oh yeah you've got the chest buster we're not even talking about the chest buster scene yet uh we'll get there <laughs> uh, let's get it i don't know what's, why not? fair enough let's go straight to it chest buster <clears throat> thoughts feelings very explosive uh again this is because i've watched the making of documentary yeah. but i can talk a little bit about how they how they did this they, obviously there was some setup for it but the actual exp- it coming through the chest that was done in one essentially one take the main part mm. and there was multiple camera setups and they didn't quite tell the actors what was going to happen they knew obviously they knew something was going to happen they were they were acting out but they didn't i'm pretty sure they didn't let them see it so they didn't know what it was going to look like and they didn't tell them about how much blood was going to like explode out of them yeah it goes everywhere yeah uh the, the bit that i always remember with this is a uh, lambert sort of like it's covered in like Goes, and like, yeah, goes it just kind of has that like look of like, look how much is on me. Yeah, uh, that was a genuine reaction because they, they didn't tell her and they didn't, she wasn't expecting it. So there's, nice. a, there's some genuine stuff mixed in there with uh, a bit uh, of authenticity to just just to really sell it on the the fantastical nature of, of this part of the film. Yeah, but th- I mean, like I said, this was the part of the script that got it like advanced along greenlight. Like th- this was the scene in the script that said, "Oh, this is some this is something that's worth making." There's, yeah. there's an idea in here that's worth it. Uh, and I, I think, even though it's not my favourite part of the movie, most of my favourite parts of the movie probably come from Ridley Scott in the sense that, oh, it's the focus on style and design and treating it like it is this important thing, even though it is just a B-horror movie plot. Yeah. But I can see why that was the, the attraction. It's, it's kind of that... Oh, there's a reason why it's so iconic, isn't there? Yeah. Like that, that's, it sticks in your mind. It's like, oh, that's something immediately yeah, it's, it's that iconic scene that everyone everyone remembers yeah uh, so that's cool uh, we get the little little baby alien shooting across the table aye uh, that thing moves bloody fast that it does it does I, I can't remember what the explanation was but there was a cool one in the documentary for how they made it move, move that fast there was a a trick they used I can't remember what it was but something you can go and discover um yeah of course they start dying one by one uh Brett's the first to go. Yep. 
Not counting Kane, of course. Cat. Not counting Kane, who obviously is the one who gets exploded. Yeah. But uh, great scene. He goes into that that place where they've got the. I think it's like a, one of the shuttles is there, and it's like there's water running down. I I presume cooling for the. Yeah, it looks like maintenance kind of. Yeah, and there's lots of chains, which obviously the alien tail sort of like blends in with at mm. one point. And he's like, sort of the the water's like dripping on his head. And again, the film plays a lot with sound design. This is one of the things oh, you notice so much. Yeah, because one of the most distinctive things about that scene that I remember is the sound of the water hitting his hat. Mm. Like it's using it to punctuate the scene. It is. It really breaks it. That and uh, hearing the cat in the distance, I think, is really effective. Because mm. it yeah. kind of goes, oh, okay, it's over there, and then it comes from behind in the other direction, which is so effective. Yeah. I, I mentioned the sound mix-up, and I mentioned the bass, but so many old movies that get remixed into 5.1 or 7.1 or whatever, they feel kind of half-assed. You, kinda tell, you can tell that it's not like, oh, this wasn't created 5.1, it was mm. remixed into it. Uh, but this, there's a few old classic movies where they really put the effort in, and it feels like no, this feels like a genuine mix, and this mm. is one of them. It, it everything on that uh, that Blu-ray sounds great, and it's funny that Firefly chooses this time to uh, interrupt because when I was watching the movie, it was right when Brett was looking for Jonesy that he jumped up in front of the TV and was like distracting my view, and I thought, irony, cat. Yeah, uh, you, you you snapped a picture that. We should should probably upload somewhere alongside this just so you can see it. <laughs> but it's uh, it's very amusing. Yeah, it's because legitimately there's a shot of Brett looking over to see if there's a cat, and there my cat is right in front of him. It's just there. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, cats, people. Uh, which, by the way, I, I appreciate that uh, the cat survived. There's two survivors in this movie. Everyone always forgets Jonesy. Jonesy survives. Ripley is but a, a supporting character. Jonesy... Is the I, I think the cat should have been left for for food. Frankly, that's a, it's funny. There's, there's a there's a famous book about script writing called Save the Cat, and I'm pretty sure that's based on this. You save the makes cat. sense. The main character goes back for the cat. That's, that's what you do. And uh, it's just a way to make you care that little bit more about her as a character, isn't it? Yeah, because she's she's hero enough to, especially Ripley, because at the start she is willing to let them stay. No, you're staying out there in quarantine. I'm letting you in. It stops feel. It stops her feeling like she's just selfish and just trying to survive herself. It feel. It makes her feel like a good person. Yeah, yeah. it stops her from feeling cold. It, it obviously is all thing. Obviously, almost being killed by Ash kind of makes you sympathise with her a little bit. Yeah, uh, but her saving the cat's really the time. Where you're like, okay, right. She's more of a human being maybe than she had because up until that point, she'd been very by the book. I guess is the the way you yeah. did it. Uh, at the same time, though, you do kind of sympathise with her as well when you you have. You have Brett and you have Parker, like sort of goading her about the money and stuff like that. And later on, when it's down to just her, Lambert, and Parker, and Parker's like, "Oh, I'm going to kill him," and he won't shut up. And Ripley has to shout at him to tell him to shut up because she's got a plan, and it's a decent enough plan, but it, it goes all belly up, and both of them get killed pretty quickly, uh, back yeah. to back. Which I, you can't have seen coming because they're making a lot of noise. They're, they're moving like these canisters around, and it's making a racket. He's like, the yeah. alien's coming for you now. Don't don't be foolish. Aye, I know. Don't be foolish. Don't help themselves, do they? No. Oh dear. Um, actually, it's what I always forget the sequence of events towards the end of the movie whenever I watch it. Just because mm. Ripley, she puts on the self destruct. She goes to the shuttle. And the aliens like around the corner. And she's like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> it's there. Crap. And she's like, and the self destruct timer's like, uh, "This self, the point of no return with the self destruct is in like t minus two minutes." And she's yeah. like, "Crap! I need to run back and turn off the self destruct now." And she gets back, and there's this whole race against time to turn it off, and it doesn't work. It's like, "No, nah, no, nah, now it's going to blow up in five minutes." And she's like, "Crap! Now I have to go back and go past where the alien was." To get to yep. safety. And she grabs a cat on the way, and that, this is when we get that long shot I was talking about where it was like falling around the uh, mm. around the corridors. And what I love about this is when you pay attention to it, you, it actually makes sense that the alien turns up in the shuttle at the end. It's not cheap, because that's where it was. It was in yeah, the hallway right in front of the shuttle, so it's actually completely believable that it's in there. Yeah, and it's we, we've been told about how it's it's smart. It may, it maybe it's not consciously like thinking, mm. but it's 
it's evolving it's adapting and you, you've got to imagine it's aware that these alarms are, are a bad sign so it's got to get out Aye, maybe, maybe. Even even if it's not about intelligence, maybe if it's just no, that's its direction that we're sort of exploring in. I can buy that too, because like I say, yeah. we see it right in that area. It's going that way. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just there. Yeah, um, and I kind of love actually like when when she's in the shuttle and she blows up in the Stromo, and you can actually see the alien in the scene long before it appears if you know where to look for it. Yeah, you can see where the the heads kind of and it. it beautifully they've designed the, the, these big pipes in this shuttle so it's just lovely hidden isn't it yeah it just looks like that but it's in this little nook and i kind of love the idea that the alien is sleeping like that's why it doesn't attack her right away it's not for any other reason it's just it has to sleep sometime <laughs> yeah it, it it's like okay i'm hidden here let's kind of take a breather yeah and then when it does when she does kind of get close to it and it it, it moves and she runs into the sort of the compartment with the with the suits, with the uh, the astronaut suits. I kind of love that. Kind of really waking sluggish, up, isn't it? Yeah, he's waking up. He's just kind of yawning. And he's like, oh, I don't want to get up yet, mum. Oh, yeah. That's what it feels like, and that's why she can kind of like she puts on the suit and she sneaks about and she obviously fires it into the airlock and then blasts it with the the thrusters, yeah. and it makes for a makes for a great moment. She even uh, says. Something, something, you son of a bitch. She has a little action movie line. Yeah. You know, Sarah Connor, you're terminated kind of style. Yeah. Uh, it's all fun. And she makes her last report, and that's the, the end of the movie. Yeah. But I don't think any of those reveal because I think it's very easy, maybe on a first watch, if you're not paying attention, to think, oh, it's in this shuttle. Oh, of course it is. Oh. But it's, it's always makes complete sense that it's logically sound. Yeah, it it works. When you go back and look at it, it works. Uh, yeah, I want to go back to the start of the movie. I, talk, I just can we talk about how fantastic the the alien ship and the planet and the, it's them, gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Them them wandering about. Then of course the tricks where they had uh, kids in the suits to make the the space jockey look bigger. Hmm. I don't know. If, did you know that? The, 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 I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like Ridley's one of Ridley's kids and some other. Hmm. Someone, someone else's kids, and the so the, the space truck looks huge. Make the most out of their out of their models and sets, which actually as well. It's one of the things that I kind of miss. I think I love. I think CG is legitimately better than a lot of things for certain things. I do miss models for ships. Yeah, I get that. I think the models in this movie look really good. I think the problem is you've got to put in more time to make them look as good. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I, I I still think the best that the best effects that you end up with tend to be when you mix different methods. I think if you built a model and then accented it with some CG, you know, because the, yeah. because the thrusters don't look that good. Example in this because they don't have CG yet. But so if you did the thrusters with CG, but you had like a model ship, yeah. I think the, the problem is now people want to do more, but it's really hard to do fancy maneuvers. You know, with, course, with these little course. models, so that's why you kind it's of just a lost art. It, it, it is. I miss it. It is. At least we still have, you know, miniatures as a thing, though. To an extent, even they're kind of. They're kind of, yeah, a bit, but they're nice, aren't they? They are nice. It's, it's, it's tangible. It's just, it's it's just uh, it's just impressive on screen. It feels like it's there and. It's it's the impressive thing about Alien. I think watching it now, especially when you're watching the Blu-ray, it's cleaned up. It's HD. It it legit. Other than a couple of the hairstyles and a couple of effects, you you really could believe it was shot a year ago. Yeah, do you know what? Honestly, is the only thing that that dates it for me. Hmm. That in terms of visuals style, it's the 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 ship computing. You know, the big bulky, the green text. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, you you updated that a bit. That's the only thing that makes me go. No, this is like that 70s sort of period. Yeah, that and the haircuts, I think. The haircuts yeah. kind of give it away a little bit. It's funny, actually. This is the first time I've watched it again since playing through Alien Isolation. It's giving me a real itch. I've been holding out for so long on that. Like, oh, I want a good sale, I want a good sale. But I think I'm going to cave and just, just get it. Joe, jo, it was really funny watching that now again after playing that game. Mm. Is how much they nailed the sound in that game. Yeah, because I, I know... When you watched it, you were streaming. I watched quite a bit with you there, and the sound is incredible. Like, 
It's what sort of thing. This is subtle things you maybe wouldn't notice when you're watching it, but it's something like that the vents shutting, or the sound that the computers are making, or the sound that everything that the, the music cues. When you're playing that game, it's using all of the sounds from the movie. Everything yeah. feels authentic. So when I was watching that again, because when you play the game, you do things a lot. You go in and out of vents a lot. You use computer terminals a lot. So when they used the, the two or three times in the movie they did, I was like, oh man, that sounds so ingrained into my brain now. That's that's what Alien sounds like. That event is actually one of my favourite sounds of the movie. It's just that that kind of rusted slide of metal against metal. Hmm. Oh man, I love it. Yeah. And obviously the movie does introduce a lot of things that were expanded upon later. Like the motion tracker, it was a much fancier version in the second movie hmm. and stuff like that. So they, they had a lot of those ideas uh, creeping in. But, but uh, even even that motion tracker, like it's a little clicking sound. Mm. It's nice. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Sound. The, look, t- technically, the movie's basically flawless. Yeah, it's hard to argue with any of it. Like, like we've put out like one or two effects things that have dated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, effects are almost a different beast because yeah. obviously with time things are just. Well, not yeah, possible yeah. But even now. even including those things, like uh, and all the other effects, like, it's still a technical marvel. It's because Ridley Scott just knew what to hide. And what not to show? How how can I shoot this to make it work? And it does work. It's it's like that thing you know the the end in in the show with the the flashing light. It kind of distracts you from anything that you don't want to. That he doesn't want you to look at. Yeah, because because the guy in the suit, if you just had him walking about and like full shots, it would look goofy. Yeah, but just just that flashing. It's not even like it doesn't come out for very long at all. But it just distracts you enough that it hides anything. Yeah, and then there's that moment she's like just getting ready to like eject the, you know. The, you know, uh, depressurize the 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 whole ship, and she's and she realizes the aliens right behind her, and it's that fantastic moment she actually hits the button and it goes flying. Yeah, and she shoots it with the harpoon gun like that. That moment you realize it's right behind her. It's, yeah. you're, you're, it's just look, there, isn't it? Rush of blood. It's just and the flashing has helped distract you. Even though you, I don't think you can see it in the frame anyway, but like just the flashing keeps you kind of distracted, like you say. Yeah, it's really clever because I feel like it's kind of overused almost as a technique now like that flashing it's because he doesn't do it the whole movie he just does it it's just here, here at the end if you yeah. feel like you've you've seen enough of the alien throughout on the ship anyway so that when it does it here and you know it's kind of distracting you you don't feel bad about it hmm yeah um I'm just I'm trying I'm trying to jump around now and just a lot of big moments I want to talk about uh, I just talk about the, the music in general I, I mean, because yeah. we've not really touched on it. It is phenomenal, obviously. But uh, it's such... It, it kind of fills with the, what we've been saying on a technical level. It's so ambient. It's very ambient, yeah. It's so just... It kind of just fills out these empty rooms. It, it, especially times like um, when uh, Dallas going through the vents with the, the flamethrower. It it could very easily just be this cramped space, but it makes it feel bigger while smaller at the same time. Mm. Yeah, it's really impressive. Like I said, it's very ambient. It's it's one of those things where it's it's not a score where you can find yourself humming it later. It's not that at all. It's no, but it is. It does exactly what it has to do at every moment. Yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic score. Uh, Similar thing in the second one as well. Actually, again, it's not a theme. It's not a score where you'll be humming the theme later, but it's. Its own version of what this first one did. It is, although that one I think is for a few little different reasons. Oh yeah, it's more of an action movie, obviously, so it's more. Well, that, and I think yeah, there was some real time constraints on the actual composing of that, which is oh, why okay. there's so much reused uh, cues from this one, and then just adapted. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, it's actually one of those things that annoys me with sequels when they just scrap the previous score. Like I, like themes should come back. Should, but I think they they wanted a bit more newer ones in the second mm. one, but they were forced to just reuse because of how tight the the schedule was. Mm. Uh, I was one I want to touch on actually is just the world that this movie creates because this is actually one of my favorite movie universes. Is the I believe it's referred to as the Xenoverse uh, to sort of encapsulate you know Alien and Predator, and even though this yeah. was obviously. They weren't thinking here. Oh, this is what also start Predator in a few years as well. That no, was no, separate. They were just thinking, let's make a movie. But wish more people would do that now. I do wish more people would do that now. It's actually, it's really even though I'm looking forward to it. Not to go on too much of a tangent here. Even though I'm looking forward to a lot of the things that I would categorize and what I'm about to complain about. See, when you look at the slate of Hollywood's movies this year, everything's yeah. either a sequel, 
based on something or do you, do you know what annoys me most about it as a modern problem though mm. i don't mind them thinking oh we could get something out of this you know we can get a franchise out of this that's admirable have faith in your property yeah but don't sacrifice that your your movie in the process you stop thinking about setting up a ah, it's, it's, and just it, make a movie first it's amazing spider-man 2 syndrome where they put all these tidbits into setting up future movies but as a result the actual movie itself is a complete mess yeah and i feel like i'm seeing it a fair amount in these last couple of years it, and... do, do you know, it's like some of these movies that are coming out this year i'm actually looking forward obviously what are the apes should be fantastic because the last two were great surprises but it's still true that this is, what, the ninth Apes movie? Yeah. If and you include... If yeah. you the remake, you include the first five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Aye, ninth. Uh, ninth. And, like, obviously, there's a lot of these that I'm looking forward to, and that's one of them, so I don't mind that one, sure. But when you look at the entire slate, you get Apes number nine, Fast and the Furious eight, uh, whatever Marvel movie we're on now, because I think Guardians is like the 14th or 15th Marvel movie, which again, I'm looking forward to it, but it's like... It but do you know up. what the difference is with... Uh, maybe not Fast 8, but the other yeah. two at least. They they were, at least in the start, their films were films. Like They, they set about to make a movie and then went, okay, now let's tease something. After, like, oh, Iron yeah. Man is the perfect example where it had its movie and then teased literally after the movie. Iron Man 2 is a maybe a different story, but uh, yeah, the Apes yeah. movies, like they always felt like this is this movie, it has a complete story, and then we can just do more. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree with that. But it's just it's really depressing when you look at the slate, and half of it is sequels, some of the numbers in those sequels are really high, and then everything that's not a sequel, oh, what, what, what are these movies? Baywatch, Jumanji, Power Rangers, yeah. and it's like all based on stuff that I've already seen, or... Yeah. Possibly red. So yeah, just, that's, that's I, fair. I just, you know, it's 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 a little, sh- it's a bit of a shame. It's just uh, you're missing a little spark of originality. But anyway, back to uh, back to what we said about the alien universe. I, from as much as it is just set in this ship and the one trip down to the planet and this other ship, it builds so much that has been done so much with in later movies. It's it's like we say, really simple, really focused, but so much this the idea of the evil company, Will and Jutani. He, I don't even think he. You may even hear the name said in this movie. I don't, I think, don't you do. think you do because I don't recall it. But the idea of the company wanting the species is a big thing that's carried forward. Yeah, and they say, "Oh, for the weapons division," and it's like, "Oh, okay, this company is is big." It yeah. tells you immediately, like, "What what is this company into?" So they want to use it as a weapon, which, by the way, tarkins into the the backstory of the alien as well when you find out what kind of what it was. Interesting. Um, like. So that's set up the the idea, of course, uh, of yeah, just just that there's androids that exist. That this is a thing in the world. Yeah, and they're extremely lifelike. Yeah, the idea that this is a, a universe with yeah, it's basically just like ours. It's bigger, of course. It's between planets, but these were essentially truckers in space, which is what even the filmmakers refer to them as. They're you know, it's the idea yeah. that they're just long haul, or maybe even a better example would be ships that haul goods yeah like freighters yeah freighters that's what this is essentially and Mm. it it builds such a tangible universe where you you then want more of it and one of the great things that aliens went and did is it it took it and said let's bring in the military and show another part of this this universe and expand it even more and that did so much to add on to it but yeah you get so much it's one of those things that i love where the idea that you can have a movie set in a house the entire thing's in one house but you fully understand and believe what the rest of the world is yeah, from what those characters do and say in that house. Yeah, it's the uh, the, the perfect bottle movie, essentially, in that sense, where yeah. every, you know every true great bottle movie, you appreciate that, that it's part of something bigger. Yeah, and you know I love a good bottle movie. We do. You are maybe getting infamous for it at this point. <laughs> Uh, I also dislike a bottle movie like, say, it watches, where the only reason why it's set in a house is because they can't afford to go anywhere else. <laughs> and no point in this movie was I going. Oh, the only reason why we're not getting a scene on Earth is we can't afford it. No, no, this was a you choice. There's, there's, I've seen films or TV episodes in the past where it's oh, this is a bottle because they can't afford it, and you know that, but they make the most out of it anyway. Oh yeah, they, they still rate it so that it works as a good bottle episode. Yeah, yeah. that's that's fine. And I think, honestly, I think with TV shows it's a staple. Every t- every TV show well, has yeah. to have at least one that's good. Yeah. 
Like, I want a good bottle episode. Well, that's because they've got too many. I feel like maybe we'll move away from that with these shorter seasons becoming more and more prominent. Yeah. But when we had these 20 plus episode seasons, you, you have to just to save your money. At some I, I love a bottle episode. The, the ones that I hated that sitcoms used to do, they've th- thankfully stopped doing it now for the most part clip episodes. Oh. Do you know what? There's two types of clip episode. There's the one where it's reused clips. Those can burn in hell. Well, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. No, but you have the occasional one where it's a clip. It plays as a clip episode, but it's things you haven't seen. Oh yeah, but it I, plays I, with I, the format. Those I, are cool. I don't count that though in what I'm saying because that's not yeah. that's not an effort to save money. It's have to shoot all that. So that's yeah. No, not... this is just the laziness. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not so much laziness. It's just it's saving money. It's a really, I guess, lazy, lazy way. as well. Though. Yeah, it's a lazy way of saving money. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, back to back to the movie. Uh, yeah, Alien again. Right, so so Ripley, despite not seeming like she's the main character at the start, ends up being the lone survivor, other than Jonesy, of course, which I should mention. And she ends up being the star of the franchise. Yeah, um, kind of completely not what you expect, given the how she starts this movie. Right. Do you know what I like about it? Is her and Lambert, obviously the other two females on the crew, at no point do you ever feel like they're treated like the females. I think there's one joke from Brett about uh, Lambert uh, being a female when they're eating uh, just before the chest buster. He cracks a joke about how oh, maybe I want something more than food now, right now. It's like there's one line. The rest of the movie, there's never... No, you're right. And that yeah. feels natural, though, because it's yeah. not... Like, like if you have... I mean, to, to go with the, the ship analogy, like, like a freighter ship, you're going to have crews like this where they are going to treat everyone equally. They've got to do their job. But at the end of the day, there there are going to be times where they have banter and joke with each other, and those things are going to come up then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not the last thing about Parker and Brett that I really like. There's a, at one point when when they first land the shuttle on the on the planet, and there's a lot of damage, and they're saying, "Oh, it's going to take X time to fix." Like they're down, both of them are down in the bottom looking at the engineering stuff, and Ripley's on the comms talking down to them, and she's like, "Okay, what's wrong?" And they say, "Oh, this X, Y, and Z is wrong." And it goes back up to her, and she's like, "All right, so how long's it going to take to fix?" And like, one of them turns to the other and goes, uh, "What's your time? About eighteen hours, something like that." He's like, "Yeah." And then he turns the comm back and goes, "Twenty-five hours at least." <laughs> yeah, it's just I love it. It's just like, thing. "Oh, how can we give ourselves some leeway on this?" But not only is does that tell you about them, then Ripley responds over comms with, "I'll be down in a second to check it myself," which then tells you that she knows, she knows that they'll exactly do this. what they're yeah. like. Yeah, and that's all it said about it. But the, that's all but we need. You get the impression that these two that they, they they kind of slack off if they can. They'll yeah. do their job, but they'll they'll slack where they can. And she's aware of that. Yeah, but at the same time, later on in the movie, you like when they discover the aliens get acid for blood. You know the the face hugger and it's dripping through the the hall. You know, there's one point Parker steps in and like warns people, "Oh, don't watch your hands. Don't." Like, you know, he seems to yeah. care about them. Yeah. Even though he's constantly trying to like wrangle extra money out of them or he's constantly trying to slack off when it actually comes to their safety he is a bit more you know and later on when after Brett's dead he's like he wants revenge he wants to kill the alien because it killed his friend yeah even when we're going back to them fixing the stuff yeah they're slacking off going oh it'll take longer but you know they're going to get it done properly yeah or even that uh, that funny scene where they keep joking about Brett always says right Right, no matter what Parker says and then he keeps saying it like no matter what they say he says right the other one for me is when uh, Dallas has to wear the, the pen, mm. and and he presses, he just gets it back, and the top's kind of like burnt, melt a little bit. And he just looks at it. It's like, great, thanks for that. <laughs> that was that was my pen. <laughs> There's one pen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, nah, I think I, I think I was spoken a lot about the characters, but I think that's really important in this movie because it is the characters that won't make us believe all the other crap, and it's real. Yeah, they they because everything else is is complete fake makeup. Yeah. It's, it's manufactured it's, it's the set designs or it's a monster suit or it's whatever but the characters make it feel real and lived in and make it feel like a real place where everything is grounded because they're grounded and yeah. that's probably why the big you know uh, I think it, I can't remember who took the script away that, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusha I believe wrote the first draft of right. Alien or O'Bannon had the idea and then Shushet came in. I can't remember the exact timeline, but whoever took it from them and said, no, we're not calling this character Photon, and they're not going to say cheesy dialogue like, 
like oh. a typical sci-fi B movie of of like the time, like oh, the, the 50s. earlier seventies, even. I would go further back. You know, maybe the fifties would be that goofy. You know, I feel like mm. a goofy movie like that, like to to the extreme. And uh, like them changing that, I think is the biggest credit that I can give them as like writers because it... yeah, they, they recognize what's good in there and then just worked from that. Yeah, I I feel like making those characters feel like real people is what sells the rest of the movie. And yeah, I think that's. Uh, one of its biggest strengths. And then you bring in Ridley Scott, who films it and makes everything look gorgeous. You have yeah. Giger's designs. And I can't remember who designed the ship, the Nostromo, but the theory was that Giger would design the alien and everything that was to do with the alien. So, like, the ship, the other ship, the eggs, all that. So it would always feel otherworldly. Yeah, but the Nostromo was designed by someone who was more engineering-based and mechanical, and it was... It felt very practical. Yeah, and you, you can tell that when you watch it. Like, they yeah. feel very... One's organic. Disturbing, but organic. And then... The Nostrum was very uh, efficient. It looks like an oil rig in space. That's what, that's what it looks like when it's floating through space. It looks like yeah. an oil rig. And I think that's very intentional. So, Oh, oh God. Uh, anything else we want to touch on before we wrap this up? Uh, I, I just want to talk about going back to the ending. Mm. Um, I, I see a lot of people these days complain about um, Ripley getting undressed. Okay. Like, like I, I, I often see people say is is that really necessary like and it's uh, as we've mentioned how a lot of the time this film doesn't treat them as women it treats them just as other characters and people say this this takes a moment to like highlight it but i don't get that at all the whole point i feel is is, is going no she's safe she's relaxing yeah she, she feels, feels safe she, yeah, yeah has a purpose it's showing us that she feels at peace because she thinks the danger is over yeah, and then and when it's yeah, and then when it's not over, she feels even more vulnerable because so she goes into an, a bigger layer than before. Like yeah. before, she's just wearing regular clothes, and then as soon as it's like, oh, she's gone undressed, and then it's kind of come at uh, at her most vulnerable. It's, it's funny she it, puts on the big bulky spacesuit. Yeah, go, go along not those lines. It's funny to compare it to the second movie, where it's almost like the power loader, like Mark One, where it's like, oh no, she feels scared, so she's going to shield herself with this bigger suit, like you say. And it's almost like she does that. Obviously, in the second movie, it's more of a, a proactive thing because she's protecting someone else. It's more of an action yeah. moment. But here, it's the kind of a similar idea in the sense that she's protecting herself with this bigger suit. She's so no, I think it's a purpose. I think everything we've just said there's the justification for it. Yeah, definitely. But I just, I, I just thought it was worth mentioning because I, I do see modern people, like modern yeah. viewings, kind of look at it in that aspect and i yeah, don't the, agree the, with that they're at doing all. the slasher movie thing where we have the girl like i feel like had she taken her top off and we've seen stuff yeah sure like we'd be going too far i think at that point uh, and if there's one criticism that i can maybe give it thinking along their line of thought is maybe the the panties are a little bit too thin sure right that, that'll be the one thing i can give them but the, the idea actual- of function of the scene yeah. i think is very important to yeah. her then putting on the spe- the big space suit yeah both parts of it her her thinking she's safe letting her guard down and then putting on the bigger outfit yeah uh, all, all of that works it's it's again really smart filmmaking so i don't know if it that's is. if that's in the script or if it's something you know that they, they thought on set you know is how much input did sigourney weaver have when she's like going through all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? It's hard to know at what point this was added, but whoever thought it, I think they had this idea and it, it fits with the, the character. Yeah. And again, it's, and it's through, every, again, every character's action in little line of dialogue telling us who these people are, what they're going through. You know, what are, you know, like, again, like, you know, Parker and Brett are always joking, but then stuff starts going down and they almost get scared first. Yeah, and they get serious. And they get serious. And you, you know, have... Yeah, Dallas, where he he doesn't really care. He he's really annoyed that he has to do this, but he still steps up and goes into the vents yeah. himself and goes, "No, this is my responsibility as the captain." Yeah, because you can almost read that when when they're making that decision to go in the vents, where is Dallas being chivalrous with Ripley? Is this maybe the one time when he is treating like a woman? He's like, no, no, I'm not letting you do that. I'm doing this, or is it because no, he's the captain? It's his responsibility. Like, what's that's that's how I. T- personally th- tend to read it I, th- I think you could read it both ways i think i think that that's there for your interpretation i suppose yeah on his character but it's saying something either way though even if it is chivalrous it's it's the idea that he's still it's still heroic the, yeah, yeah he's, he's still he's, making the choice yeah he could go eh, go on then you, you, i'll let <laughs> yeah. you go in there but he goes no i'm going to go in there and do the right thing yeah yeah uh 
Not so much about Kane, obviously because he doesn't last as long as everyone else. He's the chess. Obviously, we talked about the chessbuster scene. I don't want to talk about him a little bit because he volunteers to go out. He's like really enthusiastic. Yeah. And one of the big criticisms that people have about Prometheus is that for scientists, they're really stupid. And that is, that is a valid complaint in that movie. They, they, they do things that a scientist would never do. Like, scientists would be safe. They'd go by these protocols. You know, you're mm. safe about everything you're touching. You Unknown specimen in front of you. You don't just put your hand in it and stuff. Oh, yeah. Things Idiots. like that. Right. But here, these guys aren't scientists. Obviously, you get Ash, who kind of is, but the, the rest of them are not. Him especially. They're tr- like we say, they're truckers in space. They're... They yeah, don't have to fly a spaceship because they've been trained how to do it, but beyond that, they're just there to haul he's, I think he's stuff. just excited to be somewhere new, somewhere different. Because yeah. he's, he, he's, he's got the itch to explore. Because he, he, he's like, no, I, I volunteer to be on the first team that goes in, and Lambert doesn't want to, like, you know, uh, Dallas shoots, and Lambert, you two, you're coming with us. And she's like, yeah, okay, fine. But when they get in there, Kane's like, oh, yeah, lower me down on a rope. I want to go in here and check out this stuff. And mm. oh, One of the visual things I didn't even talk about, I love the on, on the eggs and the ship. Yeah. It's like they've got this laser going across the top of it. Yeah. And like, all, a, like, a, like a fog sort of. Well, you've got the mist underneath, right? But it's, it, there's this, like, I don't even know what you call this specific type of laser, but it's more of a, instead of a beam, it's like a more of a flat surface laser. Yeah. And all the, the all the mist hits it as it's like coming up, and it gives mm. you this like sort of almost like hard top of the the mist. Yeah, and it looks really cool and really weird and unique. That I don't think I've ever even seen it in another movie. It's it's weird that no one's aped it. <laughs> yeah, but it looks really funky. It does, uh, and I like it. You could you could be going, why is there lasers in this ship? But we don't know. It's a mystery because <laughs> it's, it's a alien ship. Whatever. Yeah, it's keeping the it's keeping the the mist down there for whatever reason. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, I mean, you assume that it's part of the, the egg's climate, like it's using this to... Some sort of nutrients, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, and Because he mentions that there's, there seems to be like a... Every time he puts his hand in and breaks it, there's like a, almost a... Not an alarm or whatever, but he, he, I can't remember the line of dialogue, but he says that it feels like there's a... He's breaking a barrier, almost. Yeah, like there's pressure. Yeah, and... Again, it's, it's just teasing that this is dangerous. It's not meant to be there. You know, obviously on the ship they decoded. It's like, oh, mother thinks this is actually part of a warning or something rather than an SOS. Yeah. And obviously Ash is like, well, we don't know. It could not be. Let's just go. Yeah. Like we talked about. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I just want to talk about Kane's eagerness to go down there and who, how he's kind of the, you know, had they followed protocols, it's, it's, again, had Ripley not let them in. And she's right. Everything she says. Like, we could all die. They do all die. Yeah. <laughs> Not her, but everyone else does. Yeah, yeah. So, Which is why it's almost, like, deserving that she gets to live. She was the one that tried to prevent it. She was the one that hmm. kind of was the one that was like, no, let's do this by the book. And everyone else is like, nope, we're just getting him in. We're going to get him all right. And that it's their fault, then, that they die. It is. It's, the, it's their own... Obviously, Ash is doing other things, but it's, it's everyone else's own hubris and their own. Yeah. You know, ma- that they think that they can save him, that they think that they'll be safe, that the that whatever will happen, that they'll be okay. Yeah, because even once the the face hugger comes off and the, the, like Ash is tinkering with it, and Rip was like, "Let's oh, get rid of it. Let's throw it out." And Dallas is sort of, "Well, it's a science thing, so Ash gets the the say so on yeah. it." Uh, which again ties into the fact that he wants to keep it around for studying yeah. to get it back. To in, in this case, I can kind of defend it though, even even if that wasn't like a, if he wasn't an android and it wasn't his his mission. Oh yeah, he's, it's dead now. That's, it's dead. So, any scientist, I imagine, would want to keep it and go. Oh, let's make the most of it now. Yeah, because I, I think if these things are dangerous, you want to try and figure out why they're dangerous. Make sure it's safe for everyone else who's passing through the area, so on yeah. and so forth. Uh, but no, so. I, Again, I think it's fascinating that we spent a lot of that time talking about characters, and rather than how cool the monster, which is cool, don't get me wrong, it's a great. The Xenomorph but it's almost great. not worth talking about because it's everyone so else, obvious. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but no, fantastic pacing, of course. But again, characters are important, and I think this movie more than anything else shows us that. And in a horror movie, which is essentially is is a horror movie, it is. You have to. Keep your monster intriguing, and the entire introduction to him is intriguing. The they keep him off camera as long as possible, so that when he pops on camera, it's like a reward. It's like, oh, here's your money shot. Here's your the mouth yeah. with all the the KY jelly falling out of it. And it, yeah. I mean, this is something I also want to say is that monster designs, like all these monster suits from movies, tend to look like crap. 
The yeah, alien one, doesn't. I think it's because it's so sleek. Partly because it's sleek. I think all the jelly helps. I think the fact that its lips kind of like quiver a little bit as the jelly is mm. going through it, it feels alive. The same way yeah. that the, again, the Predator, which isn't really related, but it kind of is because of later things, but that, again, felt alive. It's like Stan Winston, H.R. Giger here, they were good enough to make something that didn't just feel like a rubber suit. Yeah. There's yeah, all definitely. these extra elements that make it feel a bit more living. Uh, so, uh, okay, I think we can wrap up. Yeah, yeah, I think we've clearly established this as an incredible movie. It's fantastic. Uh, I... I don't know, do, we didn't do it in the, the last couple, but do you, do you want to start rating things out of 10, or do we just leave it? I'm, I'm good for rating, I mean... Do you want to rate things? I, oh, I think both of us rate our, our movies we elsewhere anyway. This so. is an easy one, I'm going to give it 10. So. I'm also going to give it a 10. <laughs> but, so it's easy. It's I mean, easy both of us have like Letterboxd, which you can go yeah, yeah. follow us on there if you want. Uh, and Yeah. So, yeah. obviously we don't have to do this time because we both give it the same score, but I'm wondering if in the future we split the difference and say that's the the influx rating. Mm. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. We can, we can see how we feel. Uh, the show's developing, of course. So, hopefully you there was some stuff in there. If, even if you're a long-time Alien fan, you maybe you enjoyed this discussion. Uh, I, ho- I hope we analyse some stuff that maybe isn't always analysed and therefore made it a bit more interesting. We'll let the conversation flow where it went. Uh, a couple of tangents, but not too many. So... Thanks very much uh, for watching. Let us know what you thought of the movie, of course, in the comments below. What's your favourite scenes from Alien? What's your favourite stuff about Alien? Favourite character? Favourite kill? All, all that kind of stuff. Let us know in the comments. Uh, like and subscribe and all that stuff. It helps us out a lot if you do. Of course, we have new movie reviews that pop up when new movies come out. Uh, usually me and Matt do those, but sometimes Connor will jump in, depending on the movie. Me and Tim do horror movies, and of course me and Connor do all the TV reviews every week. Plus, there's a DC Comics podcast. That's everything you can find on the channel. Uh, get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz. You can get me on Twitter at wibble89. You can get Connor on Twitter. At connorand94. Yes, you can email us, mailedfuzz at gmail.com. I think that's all the stuff I need to say. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, and remember, uh, in space... <laughs> why are you shaking your head? I'm not finishing it. I wasn't waiting for you to finish it. I was just, why, why are you giving me that look? That's, this is obviously the way I need to end this. I say okay, that. go on. In space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs>